Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is 106 in Edmonton, hour number two of Oilers Now. Uh, Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott joining you. Oilers Now is brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation. Before we went to break, we went to Oilers Game Day Trivia. It is presented by Pro-Am Sports, fan cave and fan gear specialists for all budgets. They are on Stony uh, St. Albert Trail and online at proamsports.ca. The question for today was named the two former Edmonton Oilers that are on the Pittsburgh Penguins roster. And the correct answer, Jeff Petrie, who spent five seasons with the Oilers, um, before, dare I say, maybe being moved sooner than he should have been. Right shot defenseman, gets the puck up the ice. I think ended up playing with a little bit more bite than people thought. I always liked him because of his skating ability, and there were years in Montreal where he was really good. And the other one was Josh Archibald, who had uh, a 12-goal season with Arizona, didn't get qualified. The Oilers signed him to a one-year deal. He scored 12 goals and then ended up playing for the Oilers a couple more years. Of course, missed most last season with myocarditis. And Mitch is our winner of Oilers Game Day Trivia uh, for Pro-Am Sports. We head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline. The River Cree Resort and Casino Excitement Bet on it open 24-7, 365. And we are pleased to welcome back to the show. That it's been a number of years uh, since we've had him on. He's our Oilers Now headliner today for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Will Hawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. A longtime NHL player. Uh, best known now as a peewee coach, I believe, uh, and the Pittsburgh Penguins analyst. We welcome back to the show former Red Deer Rebel. And NHLer Colby Armstrong. Hi, Colby. It's Bob. How you doing? Yeah, good, Bob. Good to be back on with you. And uh, speaking of Red Deer, I got a nice picture with Cam Moon and the Nuge down at the locker rooms today. It was pretty uh, it was a nice picture that Gene took of us. So that was a pretty cool reunion, I guess a little bit. I never played with Nuge, but always you always fall back. It's so easy, you know, with the Western guys and the Red Deer connection. Now, I, you were telling me this, uh, you were, the Nuge was the number one overall pick in the WHL Bantam draft, and, you know, we, there were some of us campaigning pretty hard. Stu McGregor was the Oilers head scout at that time. That was my midget double-A coach. Um, unfortunately, Stu was my midget double-A coach. Otherwise, I would have played, uh, you know, three years in the WHL and gone straight to the NHL, but he wrecked my career. It had nothing to do with my lack of speed, talent, agility, coordination, toughness, character, and discipline. I, I, I digress. Uh, you were not a number one pick in your draft year by the Rebels, were you? No, I actually, I believe there was seven rounds in the draft that year, I, I believe. And I was taken in like mid to late sixth round pick, actually. Yeah, so um, it was kind of a thing that wasn't really on my radar. I was small. I was skinny. I, well, I was a good player, but um, 
yeah, I got selected later. And then, I mean, no more than I guess when you're selected, it was like four years later, I was a first round pick to the Penguins. So things changed pretty quick. I grew, I got bigger, got meaner, got a little nastier, you know, Bob. So uh, good, great place to play. Nuge is one of those guys that was like the 1% that was probably good through his entire career, the whole way along, pretty smooth sailing. Now, do you recall who went number one in your WHL Bantam draft year? I believe it was Michael Bubnick from Esther Hazy, Saskatchewan. He was probably 6'2 at the time of being the Bantam draft. He was like a full-grown man, Bob. He was like, he was scoring on slap shots from the red line in Bantam. Like, he had an absolute bomb. He was a full-grown man. And second overall pick was Jared Stoll, who, of course, was a good oiler for a lot of years and had that great run to the Stanley Cup final against Carolina and, and, and had a great NHL career winning Stanley Cups as well. But um, a good buddy of mine who I ended up going to high school with, too. So that was my that was my Bantam draft year, those two players, one and two. Uh, well, there was a Bubnik that, that's the same one that played for the Saskatchewan Huskies. He played for Kamloops and Calgary in the dub. Is that the same guy? That was that was his brother, his, his younger brother. He had two younger brothers that were both pretty good players also. And, and one of them was uh, Jimmy Bubnik, who eventually I got traded to the Atlanta Thrashers, and he, be, he became, a, uh, he became a, uh, a selection of the Thrashers eventually. Okay. Yeah, that's the one I saw play for Saskatchewan. Michael Bubnick, yep. I've just looked him up here in Hockey DB. He also played. I did his games. That was the. I knew I did his games because uh, I was doing the U of A back then. And he played for Dave Adolph in the 0304 season. And in fact, that's the year the Bears went to Nationals undefeated and Blair St. Martin got into a memorable encounter in the ceremonial faceoff, which you don't see every day. <laughs> but uh, anyhow. So it might have been the undefeated season. Yeah, is it? What was his name? Bubnick. I, I, I might Michael Bubnick or John Bubnick. One of the two. I think John was the no, middle. Well, there brother was a Michael. Jim, Jimmy was the younger. All right, there you go. Well, we we figured out we figured out the Bubnicks uh, on a day in which we're going to get McDavid and uh, Crosby and Malkin. <laughs> <laughs> we're having fun on the Bubnicks. What's uh, hey? Look, it's a privilege for me to do what I do, and I look. I got. I'm, I'm part of a traveling circus, and we've got arguably, and I'm going to say it, Colby. I might be watching, and I we got a lot of fans that are old school and grew up like me watching Wayne, love Wayne, love Messier. But I'll be damned if we're not watching maybe the most advanced player that's ever lived in terms yeah. of Connor McDavid. Like, he is freakishly fast and good. But you've had the privilege of being around Sid for all these years. What's that been like? Yeah, it's 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 been awesome. Honestly, the coolest thing post-career and, and working in media and working here for the Penguins, doing TV and radio, and is, is being able to sit and watch him every night. It's, it's the way he thinks, the way he plays going to watch practices the intensity and kind of the level the standard that he's he's set here over the years bob has been amazing to see how he handles himself in the community with his teammates and stuff like you know it's funny like when i retired i would talk to him and after a game i'd be like well you know just hot stove with him and, and chatting with him about hockey and it's like you know what's going on with this what's going on with that he would he would kind of explain it to me like the most thoughtful way ever and i'm like oh here i am all fiery and like forgetting what it was actually like a little bit a little bit to be in the fire with these guys and like you know certain situations and different things and you know he's just so thoughtful of every guy in every position 
you know, in every role on, on what's going on. It's just the guy's totally addicted, obsessed, and loves winning and playing hockey, that that's the kind of guy that you get with him, too. He's ultimate leader, ultimate teammate, um, and he's the gold standard of what the Penguins have been here since he's been around. We're joined by Colby Armstrong, who was the first-round pick in 2001. That's the year the Oilers got Alish Hemsky with a great pick at 13th overall, of course, in 2001. Colby and Cam Moon and Brent Sutter and the gang uh, were part of a Red Deer organization that won the Memorial Cup in Regina. I was working behind the scenes on that one, uh, doing Foncourt and stats, by the way. I was quite pleased to see, because I have a WHL bias, as everybody knows that listens to the show. Uh, you spent four years grinding in the minors it didn't happen overnight for you to get up to pittsburgh did it no yeah it wasn't easy i actually cleared waivers too after the lockout season and i had a good season i was the best art that the the american league probably has ever been uh like every top six on every team was young stud nhl guys that were literally in the nhl the next year pretty much all of them on every team so it was it was it was a good year of hockey um and I felt like I was ready, but I, I think there was, you know, a lot of different situations, whether it be money and, you know, the Penguins weren't too hot financially uh, back then as they are now. And, uh, you know, uh, I had to wait my turn and wait my time. And I got called up right after Christmas, that fourth season in the minors, and I never went back down and, and um kind of i was like a hungry dog by that time bob i was starving and i was willing to just lay it all on the line and be reckless and play hard and um you know fill out fill that role for whatever team or line they put me on and i was ready to go by that time so yeah it was a grind it was a grind buddy but i got through it i all those years in the dub and and playing for brent sutter got me prepared to to handle that kind of um you know, determination to try to get up and get a shot and get some games and stick and ultimately the goal to stick around as long as you can. Well, you played 476 regular season games in the NHL, which is 476 more than the other guy in this conversation and 476 (laughs) more than about 30,000 people listening to the show right now. Uh, What did I remember about that 05-06 season? So you got called up after Christmas. In early January that year, the Oilers went into Pittsburgh Sean Horkoff got a hat trick. Edmonton yep. shut Pittsburgh out, and Michelle Therrien had yep. one of the greatest rants of all. <laughs> Do you remember that? I'll never forget that. I'll never forget it. It's still like here in Pittsburgh, that post game um, scrum with Michelle Therrien is one of the more famous um, moments, I think, in, in, in the organization almost with, with regards to post game press conferences for coaches. So I remember it clearly. It was not. It was not pretty. He went after our defense. He went after our team for being soft. If you haven't seen it, you should go on YouTube and check it out because it's all time. Now, is it true he was once the bodyguard for Rock Voicing? He was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. I heard some stories about it. I was actually at the Quebec Pee Wee tournament recently, too, and I ran into someone that knows him, and I asked the same question if it was true because I'd heard it from you know, other people, the, the story about that, and actually got to meet Rock Wazine uh, at, a, at a charity gala event uh, with Carrie Price one time and was talking to him about it as well. And I was like, is this true to this other guy? Like, is this really real? Come on. And the guy in Quebec told me, yep, yep, he was the security guy. He was the guy. 
That's crazy. We're joined by longtime NHLer Colby Armstrong. He works on the Penguins broadcast. Uh, you missed out. I mean, you were, you know, you're part of the team for a couple of years. They made the big deal. Uh, I think they got a pretty good player back, as I recall, when they uh, traded you to the Atlanta Thrashers. I actually want to talk to you about when you played with the Leafs. As you know, uh, Craig Lupul, Joff uh, Lupul's dad, um, we have been in a pool together uh, since 1987-88. So we're now coming up on 36 years. It's uh, a long time. That's there was one time. player that was never allowed in our pool. We, because we didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to bid up a player, and that was Joffrey. But you did play with Joff in Toronto, and the year you played, one of the years you played with Joff in Toronto, might have been he was a hell of a player. He might have been the Leafs' best player yeah. that season. Yeah, he he was, and I played I played junior against him too, and he was kind of a a guy, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know, it wasn't not like we know now, where you know every player around you, you can find him on the internet, all this stuff that wasn't existing. So when he was in Medicine Hat, though, like he kind of came on the scene and 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 just exploded he exploded on the scene really just started lighting it up their team was really good and competitive and he was just like a light show just scoring goals like crazy and i think grew and developed and, be, and turned into a guy that could you know at the next level really score and put up points but yeah for us he was like he was like a, a like a, a like a skilled power forward almost like he had the he had the hands and the ability and the scoring yeah. touch to be a major factor and he was a, he was a good teammate he was kind of quiet uh, he's into music and kind of in his own world a little bit with that stuff and, and what he liked, but uh, a great teammate, and he played hard. And I always remember, because he had injuries, Bob, and you know this probably, he had injuries, and he would sit on yeah. this, like, he'd sit on this, like, foamy, like, cushion in his seat in between periods or anytime he sat in the dressing room, he had, like, this foam cushion he had to sit on. I don't know if it was for, like, his tailbone or his back or whatever, but... Yeah, uh, he had... I, yeah, he had vertebrae issues in his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had he had issues, but I, I was like, "What? Why is he always sitting on that cushion? Like, what's he got hemorrhoids or something here?" So it, <laughs> it was funny, but he was he was a good, heck of a player, good teammate, could put the puck in the net, man. All right, so you're 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 in this role uh, with the Penguins. You've been doing it for several years. You do some stuff with Sportsnet. I know last year you had some fun with Connor and Leon when the Oilers uh, show yeah. rolled into town late in April. By the way, did you order the weather? Like, is it always plus Holy. 22 in the... <laughs> this is unreal. I still, Bob, I still do everything in Celsius. I still don't get Fahrenheit living down here in Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I keep everything in Fahrenheit. I came out of the rink this morning after pregame skate, and it just hit me. I was like, are we in Florida? It's absolutely beautiful. T-shirt and short weather. Who knew that th this would strike here in Pittsburgh? Because um, I know, I remember last year when the team rolled into town, the Oilers came in and the McDavid show, he had four points and they kind of cakewalked the Penguins. And I don't remember the day being nice like this, but uh, yeah, we got a heck of a day here for some good hockey and some superstars going head to head. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome game. Let me ask you this. You, you got the, you, you went to the Quebec uh, uh, tournament. I mean, I'm, I'm a little old school in the sense that I, I you know, Hey, we all appreciate hard work. Uh, you got to grind and everything that you do to be successful. But I do think the messaging has dramatically changed. You're doing, you're helping yeah. out with, with younger players. Is that something that is maybe completely there? Or did you have 
You know, I was around a bit around Claire Drake, more so Bill Moore's. And I can tell you that positive reinforcement, for the most part, they had standards that they wanted you to get to, but they didn't believe in breaking you down and building them up. And I'm just wondering, uh, for today's NHL player, even, you know, for younger players, is is that part of the modus operandi? Is we teach in a little bit different passion to get uh, fashion to get the most passion out of the players? Yeah, I, I would say like there's been a massive change in in the way that the you know individual player as a person is treated in, with regards to hockey. I think one of the big things too, not only that, is is a big change. Um, you know, the yelling and screaming and the you know all that stuff has kind of gone, and it's more you know softer touch with with the athlete, and that's even at the NHL level, Bob. I think we could agree to that, right? But it's I, I think the biggest thing I've noticed is is the direction of of coaching also just just in the messaging with with skill and development and and where they push these kids in because you, we're going to see it at the nhl level we're already seeing it less hitting more skill less expectation on even playing with like an edge or or anything because i think what we're seeing in the development at my son's 12 years old is, is they all get pushed into this area to be this kind of player now and that's kind of the expectation the skill the speed, the development in those kind of areas is is more so than what it once was with dump and chase or playing a, a, a robotic system. So, you know, all that stuff from from on the ice to how you handle, you know, these players and kids and the development. There's been a massive overhaul and change from what I can see. Colby Armstrong, final question for you: What does Ron Hextall have to do between now and the deadline to improve Pittsburgh? Uh, and going to run here. Well, for Ron, and he's under he's under he's under some heat right now for sure. Like the the media is uh, going after him to get something done here to kind of you know you know right the ship, I guess you could say, with regards to I think the depth of this team, and that's that's up front, and you know with the forward situation, the bottom six, the production. Um, I think looking at that is is trying to find some kind of. I guess role recognition and and identity for for guys that are in those positions and what would fit and what would work and is that one player can one player come in and and, and you make a move and it all of a sudden it changes everything maybe um, and and then I think also on the back end too to have some more stability back there with a little more rock steady play like I always look at a guy for me personally like Luke Shen right now Bob and I think he's you know. Yeah. He's, doesn't make a ton of money. He blocks shots. He's a human eraser. Like he's willing to, you know, take care of business if he has to. He's he's tough as hell. Yeah, and he'll fight anyone. And and remember what he did for Tampa coming in in the Islander series and kind of neutralizing a Matt Martin uh, and that Sasekis line a little bit with what he's able to do. So, you know, some some something like that with a little bit of a you know a, a personality and an edge to their game. And I think that's what they're looking for: chemistry, fit inside those roles so they're not big roles like i think the top six you know obviously the stars they've been playing well they're getting they're producing they're playing well they're doing a job up front uh, up high it's it's kind of the depth that has left you know a big hole right now with with production in this lineup for the penguins so i think if ron's going to look at anything it's got to be in those those areas those little areas of of improving you know kind of those niche positions and niche personalities that you have to have in your lineup Colby, awesome stuff. Love having you on. Thank you for your time. Bob, I'm going to be between the benches for AT&T Sportsnet tonight. I'm going to get a close-up look for the first time. Ice level, Connor McDavid in full flight against Sidney Crosby. I can't wait. All right. Have fun with it, my man. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me on.
You bet. That is Colby Armstrong, 124 in Edmonton. Guests on our show receive gift cards to Japanese Village. For 50 years, Edmonton's destination for a celebration for the census. Multiple locations in the Edmonton region to serve you, including downtown West Edmonton Mall, Sherwood Park, and Southside. Reserve today at jvedmonton.ca. Back with the Orders Now Prospect Report when we return. Bit of a Red Deer loving on today's show. You heard Colby Armstrong, of course, Cam Moon. Should uh, mention again, it was great uh, to see the recognition for Jack Michaels for his 1,000th game on uh, Tuesday night. As we go to uh, tell you that cars cost less than Wetaskiwin. Brentridge Ford and Wetaskiwin, well known for their top shelf service department. They don't forget about you after you purchase a vehicle. You can reach out to Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny and the team at Brentridge Ford. They'll make you a repeat customer. 780-352-6048. Brentridge Ford is your Ford truck authority on the auto mile in Wetaskiwin. At 128, we go to the Oilers Now Prospect Report. It's brought to you by Reface magic. Save money on your kitchen renovation. Don't replace. Reface. Here's Brendan Escott. Reed Schaefer erupting for a goal and two assists in an 8 nothing Thunderbirds win over Victoria on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, Edmonton's first rounder from 2022 uh, went plus four in that contest and actually he snapped a 13-game goalless drought. This puts him back on pace for a point-per-game season. He's up to 20 goals, 22 assists in 42 games this year. Bob. Plus uh, 18 on there. Good for him. All right. Brendan's going to guide you home in the final half hour of the show. Uh, I'll have a conversation with Cody CC, Cam Moon with Kyler Yamamoto, and Brendan will have Edmonton Oil Kings Director of Operations Kevin Radomski on to tell you about a special event coming up tomorrow night. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson.